I gotta tell you that story about that song before I even get started or an introduction. I'm in the car with my dad because my car had some problems and my dad was taking me to my mechanic. And he goes, you know how you're uh, doing that zombie comic book? My dad doesn't talk like that. I don't know why. I'm, that's a horrible impression. But he goes, you know, back in the back when we played in New Orleans, we we sang a song from the Kingston Trio called the Zombie Jamboree. And they, the Sunspots sang it. My dad's little Filipino group in a lounge in New Orleans. They sang that song so that you're hearing right now. Pretty crazy. <laughs> Kingston Trio, Zombie Jamboree. I told my dad, too, that uh, I'm going to have to write him in to the comic book. Something to do with the Sunspots and my dad's Las Vegas lounge band. My, my, the four Filipinos in that band. I have to do a little something. Maybe I'll, Maybe they're zombies. Maybe they walk into a casino. And there's just a bunch of zombies sitting in the lounge watching him. <laughs> bunch of blue-haired zombies. But there you go. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for that recommendation. So it's on the podcast. Thanks to you, Pops. Love you. So hello, hey, ho, ha. Hello. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. This is issue number 52, which I cover New Comic Book Week, April 27th. Thanks for joining in on the fun. And please tell a friend, tell a loved one, tell them that Sunspots Comics is on all the social medias. At Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. Please follow us. And don't forget, May the 4th's coming up, which is a few days from now. If you want a chance to win the first ever Sunspots Comics comic book mystery box worth over 75 bones, dollars, sorry, <laughs> just follow us on all the social media. Again, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Sunspots Comics. Just write us a little positive note on the iTunes and give us five stars. You're automatically entered. I have all the names in a box. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Michael, Michael, Michael. Thank you. Just some off the top of my head, that first names that I'm just rambling off. Josh. And thank you, just uh, Dave. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> and uh, there's a ton of entries, which I was, I'm really humbled and thankful that you guys have all jumped in there and want to win this first ever comic book mystery box. And there's just going to be all kinds of fun stuff in there. T-shirts, loot crate stuff, maybe Marvel chess pieces. I'm putting together a couple of comics. Just a, a just a fun bunch, satchel full of stuff, comic book related stuff. So get your entry in. May the 4th is when I pick the winner. So may the 4th be with you and good luck. So uh, things on my nerd brain. Man, I got a lot of things on my nerd brain this week. Captain America 3 Civil War comes out. I have my tickets Thursday, 7 o'clock, IMAX 3D. Where are you, are you going? You should go. It's going to be amazing. I've managed to black out everything, the internet, uh, because it just give you uh, everything. Spoilers. But I managed to just watch the one trailer, and I wouldn't have even seen Spider-Man was there if I wouldn't have looked at social media, etc. But I'm so excited. Captain America 3 Civil War. But, you were, he was, but he's my friend. So was I. <laughs> They're not that good of friends, Tony and Captain America. I talked about that on la last podcast. What's Tony trying to... He's, he's, he's trying to BS, I think, Captain America there. So, silly. But anyway, Captain America 3, get your tickets. Go see it. I'm sure next podcast, 53, I'll be discussing it. And also coming up, free comic book day. That's Saturday, this Saturday, May the 7th. I'm sure you've probably already seen it. You've heard. Prepare yourself is my advice. And there's a, a cool article that I saw on the MyCentralJersey.com that Tom Smith, amazing color, comic book colorer extraordinaire, 25 years worth of coloring Marvel, DC, everything you can think of. He had a stroke at a Comic-Con, I guess 20 months ago, and there's a story I'll share on social media about his, his comeback to comics, his, his fighting of this, this blood clot in his brain and how he came back from it. Like, just quite a story, a triumphant story that, that, that warmed my heart. And way to go, Tom Smith, to, to battle the effects of, 
of having a stroke and still want to be in comics and and it's just a heartwarming story so uh the message there is just completely positive continue chasing your dreams because it makes you happy it reduces your stress it helps your blood pressure it even medically will help you which he kind of explains in this article so very cool and he's even for free comic book day that's how it ties in he's going to be at a comic book shop called zap comics in new jersey so if you're listening and you're in the new jersey area go to zap comics tom smith will be there he's colored everything He's amazing. He's been in the business for long. He made a living for 25 plus years in the business coloring comics, and that's not easy. So uh, very cool. And my advice, too, on Free Comic Book Day is coordinate with your friends. Coordinate with people you know. Bring family. Bring people that maybe are only even lightly into comics because there's more freebies in numbers, ultimately. Make it your mission. Come up with a plan. Hey, they're only giving three per person in my store. Well, then you get this three. You get that three. You get this three. Then boom. And you kind of coordinate what you've, what your what your goodies are, what your winnings were, and, and trade. And just make it a group event. It's a whole ton of fun. And I've done that a couple of years in the past, and it really, really helps. Just bring your wife, your girlfriend, your cousins, your neighbor, your whomever, more people you can bring. And then you're ultimately spreading the love of comics. I mean, for me, New Comic Book Day is really about giving comics away to family and friends to try to get them hooked, to try to show them the beautiful, diverse, gorgeous art form that is comic books. So just remember, free comic book day Saturday. Other lots of stores have additional little freebie giveaways and art signings and Dave Baker for instance is going to be out in in Culver City at a comic book shop so hello Dave Baker the creator of, of Action Hospital check out his stuff at xdavebakerx on Instagram and he's going to be in Culver City so there you go find out uh, go to of course to get more information just go to freecomicbookday.com and you'll see the 46 comics they're releasing, which of the 46, there's at least 10, 12 in here that I actually really want. And, of course, I want them all. Even the Bruce Lee comic, number one, is in there. And there's just a ton of good-looking stuff. Grumpy Cat, number one. Love and Rockets. Hilda. There's just a ton of things. Lady Mechanica's in there. March. I wanted to read March. It's about the, the um, Million Man March uh, written by John Lewis, I, and there's like a sampler of all three of the of the March books there. There's just a ton of good stuff. Pink Panther, Phantom, Sonic the Hedgehog, SpongeBob. There's just a diverse, interesting mix. 46 comics, and other comic book shops will just be throwing in additional stuff. So make it your mission. Coordinate with your friends, family, and whomever's. Get together. Make it a blast. Have some fun on Saturday, May the 7th, National Free Comic Book Day. And another thing on my nerd brain is I read a digital comic. Weird, right? The Walking Dead Alien by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Marcos Martin. I have to say, I have to give it kind of props. It's a refreshing take. Brian K. Vaughn writing The Walking Dead, the first person other than Robert Kirkman to write The Walking Dead, and it's just sort of a one-shot, maybe? Maybe there's some continuity tie-in because of the character that claims to be Rick's little brother. That's right, Rick. And it's a hit Rick's little brother off in Paris when the outbreak hits, and he he's in the middle of the stink. And it's still black and white. They do have a splash of red color in there. He's a young guy that's just kind of exploring uh, France or Europe. I think I'm pretty sure it's Europe or France. And he runs into a young woman. He's enamored by this young woman and follows her. And also, and she's wearing a suit of armor. That helps. Very cool, right? <laughs> and. <laughs> So he uh, is just trying to get out of the city, and she's riding her Vespa through Paris, and he's trying to tag along. She has a, a like a joust-like spear because <laughs> she works in a museum, and it's just kind of a fresh take on The Walking Dead. It's it's a full 30 pages, no ads, and it's free on PanelSyndicate.com. Panel Syndicate is like Brian K. Vaughn's site where he released uh, the Private Eye series, which they did put on paper. Just recently in hardbound form. You should check out Private Eye. You should check out Marcos Martin's art in The Walking Dead, The Alien. So, kind of cool. Check it out. You can pay whatever you want. Very neat. I wonder if they make any money with that. Because, I mean, you should. I put a little money down, just a little something to help out because I was appreciative. So, that's probably, they've got to be making some money with that. So, check it out on uh, panelsyndicate.com. That's Brian Kevon's site. And another thing is, since it's issue number 52 of the podcast, I thought I would take a second and look back and discuss DC Comics' new 52 that they released in, I can't believe it's September of 2011, when that went down. And when DC Comics decided to just 
go put everything back to number one and sort of start new continuities and they they advertise it at this bold new permanent event that's going to relaunch the entire line of all 52 comics for DC and I was so full of hope I was so in on this I bought all 52 comics the week they came out I remember it being like hundred and something bucks that's with the discount from my local comic book shop and I just went in full double fisted full of hope there and there were only a handful of things that even continued. Most of them were canceled. The stories, if they were good, fizzled out quickly. And I was I was heavily disappointed. So this is now on the eve of Rebirth that DC is getting to release. It's not the new 52. Because, I mean, since then they've taken the all-new 52 off of the logo. And they've just sort of kind of sweepy-sweepy under the carpet. But on the eve of... DC doing it sort of again, quote unquote, this rebirth that they're doing. I maybe have a, I'm a bit cautious and maybe only 30% hopeful. <laughs> Whereas last time, 2011 for the new 52, I was 100% hopeful. I was all in. But I'm cautious and I'm 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 cautiously hopeful that a lot of these titles will be good. But you know what? It can't completely rag on the new 52 when it happened because. For a time, Superman was really good. Animal Man was probably one that lasted the longest. I think I went up until issue 20. And this is in alphabetical order. Aquaman was pretty decent, but I remember bouncing out seven or eight issues. Batman was the one that stayed solid, absolutely, all up until now, which I'll get into Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder leaving and finishing on Batman 51. But that stayed strong. Batman did, but there was, there was a ton of others. The Bat series, it didn't do very well and I didn't stick with but Batwoman from J.H. Williams go back and look at the new 52 just look at it J.H. Williams art on his website sells for like 5,000 10,000 20 that's ridiculous numbers of J.H. Williams art but it is gorgeous Batwoman of the new 52 I think he bounces out as well after 10 issues or something I stayed with every issue that he drew and they were gorgeous J.H. Williams Batwoman so there were some titles that that had a little bit of lasting power for a while but I'm literally of of that new D, of the of that launch. I'm still just doing Batman of all 52. Crazy, right? But there was just a ton of stuff that uh, you. Also, there were a couple that you were hopeful would work out and that were kind of interesting at first, but they were gone. Like Blue Beetle, you're hoping that Blue Beetle was just going to maintain and and withstand, and it it didn't. But so there you go. Uh, on the eve of rebirth, I'm 30% hopeful. I'm going to try a new. Uh, I'm not going to just stay on the hate parade all day long for on DC. Like the entire world's doing. I'm hopeful that some of the titles and say Flash because the TV show. I'm ex I'm seriously interested in reading what they their takes going to be on Flash. The new Superman is kind of an Asian American. I have to just kind of see what that's all about with Gene Yoon Lang on writing. So there's a ton of amazing artists and amazing writers that are involved in this new DC Comics rebirth. So I'm gonna check it out. I'll give you more information as things progress and as we go along. So there you go. There's my ode. On issue 52 to the new 52. September of 2011. I can't believe it. It's just over five years ago. It just, or almost five years ago. It just zipped on by. But anyway. Oh, and last thing on my nerd brain is Bone. The comic Bone by Jeff Smith. Who, it, he completed that run. It was gorgeous. He put it together in multi-omnibuses. It was black and white. He released it in multi-packages multi, multi -packages of coloring from... It was like trades of six issues to the entire omnibus of Bone. It's this fantastic sort of Lord of the Rings meets Animaniacs, best way to describe it. And it was it was just a heart full of fun, but these characters on this Lord of the Rings kind of adventure, epic, sweeping, sort of funny, uh, cute drama, cartoony style. He's announced on his website, by the way, is uh, Boneville.com. He's announced that he's going to be doing another he's going to be bringing it back and doing something with it it's called bone coda it's like a new chapter and in the bone series which is fantastic so i already know a ton of people that are way into bone uh, jeff smith's work is amazing and you should definitely check that out it looks like it's coming to retailers in july so new series from bone by jeff smith very very cool and there's even like a bone companion by comics librarian and historian Steve Weiner. Weiner, <laughs> so I'm I'm all in on that. Very very cool that Bone is coming back. I mean I think it's I want to say Bone ended maybe 15 years ago. Maybe I'm wrong on that year, but it feels like something like 10, 15 years ago. 
that he finished that run on, on Bone Bill, and now he's going back to it. So what's it going to be? A continuation? Is it going to be a, just a brand new one-shot? It looks like it's going to be a like a graphic novel, a trade collection of maybe six comics. So very, very cool. Oh, here you go. It's the 25th anniversary. So crazy. I was wrong on that number, but I, well, I was close. But anyway, it looks like it is going to be a new graphic novel. Uh, Bone. Coda. C-O-D-A. Very cool. And those are, I think that's all the things on Minerva Brain. <laughs> so thank you very much. And I hope you enjoyed that dipping into my to my frontal lobes. I wanted to give a quick thank you to my son, Justin. Thank you, Justin, for writing the blog for Sunspots Comics. Follow him on Instagram, at Justin L.A. Kings. And also you can see the blog, and he's writing stuff uh, coming up. His last one was on Star Wars Rebels, but he's got a few more blogs coming up. It's uh, blog.sunspotscomics.com, so check it out. And also, I'm writing a comic book. I'm having a ton of fun doing it. We're still in the early phases. It's called Zombie Destroyers. I'm so excited to release this on paper, maybe by the end of the year, early next year, with a friend of mine, Jordan Hudson, doing the art. Please check him out on Instagram, at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. And check out Zombie Destroyers from time to time. That's where I post some stuff. And, of course, I lately I've been posting uh, page one, two, and three on all social media, starting with Instagram. And right now, just a little update, we're finalizing pages 8 and 9. He's, uh, he's finishing up on art and ink for page 7, and I'm still sort of uh, re-sculpting, re-editing the writing for page uh, 8 and 9. So that's where we are. Check out Zombie Destroyers from time to time for an update on the comic book I'm creating. Can't believe it. I'm in there. So without further ado, do, ado, do. Let's jump right into Podcast 52. Again, this covers new comic book week, April 27th. So, Sunspots Comics podcasters and listeners, assemble. <laughs> so, right off the bat, I've got two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. So, very cool uh, little articles I like to discuss that just make my my nerd heart go thumpity-thump-thump-thump. And the first one is from irishtimes.com. I don't even know how I came across this article, but it's hilarious and interesting and very cool. The title of the article is The Science Behind Superheroes' Powers. An Irish scientist has written a book that delves into the secrets behind the extraordinary ability of superheroes. So this professor in this uh, university in Ireland actually spent a good portion of time really breaking down, showing examples, demonstrations of superpowers. He talks about genetic anomalies. He is a, he is a, a Professor Fitzgerald is an undergraduate degree, PhD from the University of Limerick. Limerick? He's based at the Endhoven University of Technology in the Netherlands. And he has uh, been interested in comic books his entire life since Superman the film came out in 1978. And he's just immersed himself in this world and really come up with a very heavy thesis on how engineering DNA, how just time will show us mutant anomalies, etc. And it's a very in-depth article on how he truly believes that superheroes walk among us already and that one day, eventually, they will be among us out in the open. (laughs) That's crazy. So I'll, of course, share all my articles that I'm about to discuss on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics, but very cool from the Irish Times. And uh, second one here, actually that's my only one. I only had one comic book feel good factor for you. So there you go. <laughs> I mixed in the, the what's on my nerd brain and comic book feel good stuff. So there you go. There was one. But anyway, the second one is a just a quick glimpse, a dip, a peek into the world of AI. That's right, artificial intelligence. I like to highlight little articles on the world of AI every so often because I'm just always amazed at how they all the, uh, these people that are investing this time and money and science and technology into artificial intelligence are, I believe, just leading us to an apocalypse, <laughs> leading us to the artificial intelligence war that uh, with everything we're doing in science. Seems like it's going to happen. But here you go. This is from Newsweek.com and the Tech and Science Department. Miracle computer chip gives big boost to artificial intelligence. So this explains that NVIDIA says that their new Tesla P100 is the largest computer chip ever made and will provide a humongous boost to the area, especially in artificial intelligence, in the industry of artificial intelligence. They said that this miracle chip is going to significantly like, accelerate and, and promote breakthroughs in the artificial intelligence research area. They say they cram 15 billion transistors within its 610 square millimeter frame around three times faster than all 
current processors and graphic chips in the market. So ultimately they say with artificial intelligence in mind to really get computers self-aware and thinking on their own. Yeah, anyway, you know where I'm going with that. So there you go. There's my one. I'll, of course, share this article as well. That's my one glimpse, dip, poke, peek into the world of AI. That's right. So... Now, on to my favorite part of my podcast, which is when I read a ton load of comics and I review them and I make recommendations and I tell you what you should go out and buy. I read a ton this week for April 27th. There were 19 comic books that I read and 10 made the favorite list this week, which is great. More than 10, more than 50%, which I'm always trying to hit more, preferably more than 50%, make the favorites. That means that, you know, more than... Uh, this this week, more than 50% of them were, were great, and the rest were really good. But I like to highlight those ones that were super great and recommend that you go out to your local comic book shop and buy these on paper immediately. And just quick note, the I always like to pick an art winner and a cover art winner of the week. This week, the art winner was Tristan Jones of Aliens Defiance Number 1. Super gritty, super realistic, and I think it's... A, I think it's hard to do the aliens in that in that franchise, do it well, without being too photorealistic, and he captured that. He set this tone, this mood of, of them searching a ship for an alien with, uh, he, they take a, uh, a, a robot, a synthetic with them. And I always think about how they bleed milk, like a milky colored substance. <laughs> but anyway... Fantastic, gorgeous art, Tristan Jones on Alien Defiance number one. I'll talk more about that later because it's in my favorite picks. And the art cover of the week was Daredevil, or the art cover winner. Uh, Daredevil number six by Bill Sienkiewicz. I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Sounds like about right. S-I-E-N-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z, Sienkiewicz. But his art is gorgeous. It is just iconic. Daredevil and Elektra on the cover. And you have your blacks and grays and your your tones of red and and Daredevil's almost silhouetted with the with the DD on his chest and I want this framed and put up and Electra is just in this fighting stance with a sword it just looks amazing so art cover winner Bill Sienkiewicz on Daredevil number six gorgeous gorgeous cover he wins it this week hands down easy I just kept looking over it a bunch. And also number ones, there were three this week. Alien Defiance number one was one. Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which I'm going to discuss further later because that was a number one that made my favorites. And Micronauts. Unfortunately, Micronauts did not make the favorite picks of the week. And of course, spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler alert. I really don't give away all the good, all the best, all the tastiest, most delicious nuggets of these comics, but I do spoil some of it. So if you are just completely anti-spoiler, like, well, there's just me. I think I'm probably the only person on Earth that gets so freaked out about spoilers. Anyone that I know, most people don't care about that. But if you really want to just be surprised and be fresh, then, then what do you call it? Fishing? You know, scrub forward, scrub backwards. Even listen to the comics that you aren't going to read because maybe it gives you uh, a little glimpse, a little, a little tip into something you might like or might peek into or might pique your interest in the future. So... 10 this week, so very last spoiler alert, here we go. We're going to jump right into April 27th, new comic book day. Here we go. So coming in at number 10 is Outcast from Image Comics. Outcast number 18, by written by Robert Kirkman and art by Aceveda. Paul, Aceveda. Aceveda. Sorry. Sorry, Paul. I'm so sorry. I know you listen to the podcast, too. I'm sorry, Paul. I apologize from the deepest recesses of my heart. Anyway, Robert Kirkman's been writing this. I tell you... I've had a couple of question marks, you know what I'm talking about, Josh, on this. We talked about it, Josh and I, Josh Browning, on the uh, previous podcast, or previous before, whichever one, that uh, this story's been moving along a little slow for me. Well, this finally caps it off. This says, okay, it seems like they knew with the TV show coming, Outcast TV show on Cinemax premiering June 3rd, I think it is. It's right here in the back, which is very cool. By the way, they show some pictures of the cast in the very back but yeah this uh, premieres on on Cinemax June 3rd I'm looking for the confirmation on that just to be safe I'm gonna give you the wrong info and uh, yes looks like June 3rd so I think that they timed it out well because this really kicks it into a higher gear here this uh, is again showing this 
this, um, the, our, our strange, uh, capped, the guy that wears that fedora-like hat that is an evil demon that's basically stalking this town and possessing people, and our, our main character is responsible for, he's kind of doing exorcisms, and his blood sort of destroys demons, etc., and... I tell you, this uh, is an action-packed episode. It's setting up the next sort of arc, and I really dug this. It's like, okay, it moved. It's like it's it's picking up. Like our main character, Kyle, he is he's uh, attacked here, and he's knocked unconscious. And so you're like, okay, what's going on with Kyle? And then we we see here that his sister who went through, who was possessed, and beat the crap out of her husband and the after effect of that which is done really well and has a very serious tone to it and they're having this conversation and using foul language in front of their kid and they're going back and forth with how passionate they are about this argument that but at the same time they're not trying to swear and say oh these horrible horrible language to each other in front of their kid and it felt very realistic i mean who hasn't been there where you're trying to have a heated discussion and you realize hey your kid's there and hearing this heavy conversation and f-bombs and so that had a real a real realistic feel to that and the vibe of it. But we see the uh, the hatted bad guy here sort of putting his cult together. And he's got some sort of warehouse and they're all sort of holed up there. And everyone seems to be possessed. Their, their muscles and wrists and hands are clenched very tightly and twisting. It twists their bodies up. It's frightening. <laughs> so... It, it says, okay, he's building sort of an army against Kyle, and he goes to see the preacher. Uh, Kyle, uh, um, before he's knocked down unconscious, goes to see the preacher, and the preacher has a moment where he's reaching out to, like, his daughter, trying to have a conversation with her, but he's not allowed to. Very kind of sad there. I guess he's uh, this preacher is a bit of a, de- a deadbeat dad, I guess, and uh, just kind of gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching. But uh, that's all I'll tell you about it. But it's definitely kicks it into a higher gear. It kicks the next arc, I think, off really well. So I'm excited. I'm in. I want to see where Outcast goes. So I'm holding off on all my question marks here because I think I'm almost at the max. But it's saved for another another month. So I'm going to continue reading Outcast. That's my number 10. So number 9 is from Black Mask Comics. I don't do a whole ton of comics from that publisher. Four kids walk into a bank, number one. So a brand new number one. And this is uh, the team of Tyler Boss on art and design. And creators... Oh, they do an alphabetical order. Kind of strange. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, which is You Can Never Go Home. We Can Never Go Home, which is fantastic. So that's the reason I bought this. I don't know too much about the artist, but he has a very... Looks like... um, It very much reminds me of another comic that I'm reading... That looks similar with the kids that are in the assassin school, uh, which uh, the name of it's already escaping me, but I've, I've, I love it. Absolutely love it. But anyway, this is a story, four kids walk into a bank, about these, uh, the four kids, these four kids. And it has a very, it reminds me right off the bat of like Plutonia, where there seems to be a few paper girls, a few comics right now that are of that Goonies, a uh, bunch of kids getting together on an adventure or getting into trouble or up to hijinks. This shows them playing... Dungeons and Dragons at first, so talk about nostalgia. Talk about going back. Talk about tapping on the heartstrings right here to us old nerds. <laughs> and they're playing D&D, and they sort of uh, show it in real time, and they describe what the kids are doing, but they show the kids, they show the characters in this D&D world, so I thought, very cool. And then it splashes right back into the real world, and they have, you know, uh, just small figures and dice on a table, and it's it's simple. But they, they go there, and they... They imaginatively t- show how the world of Dungeons and Dragons would be if it were like alive and real, and it's kind of fun right at the beginning. And these four kids, the one main character, this girl, her father seems to be questionably sort of shady, and they do a good job of you can tell something's just not right with the dad, but he comes off as squeaky clean. He tries to cook, and it looks like it's a single dad kind of situation, so I can kind of relate to that. And they are. The door, uh, someone knocks at the door, and there's four hoodlums that come to the door. And so you initially, I already thought, like, wow, yeah, they're, they're coming to see the dad. Or are they? They twist that in the writing very quickly to make you believe, like, maybe they are just random people that have come to the door. And this is a, I would say, a very dense exploration into the sort of mind of young preteen kids. 
Because there's a lot of showing what the, how, what they deal with on the playground, from bullying to how the things are in the cafeteria. To these these four kids are spunky. They're bratty, and they uh, the the main girl Paige just has a mouth on her, but she's uh she's definitely got some 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 oomph, some fire, some some passion. And she's got a little foul mouth on her, and, and you don't really know where she gets it. Her dad seems pretty docile. It must be from her mom, but you don't see the mom. And they're confronting these four hoodlums. It's like four little youngster hoodlums going head-to-head with like four in their 20s hoodlums. And it's just, uh, you know, you, they must get tied into something here related to these hoodlums and how they eventually go to the bank. Because they don't go to the bank in this issue. There's definitely leading there, but it's uh, I'm not spoiling any of it in any way because it's really just an exploration into youth. And he t- and the writer, I gotta say, Matthew Rosenberg just takes his time here. He really lays out a nice foundation, and I'm most definitely interested. It looks like it's a five-part miniseries, and the art is just super clean, super kind of realistic. There's some way that he uses paneling here. There's a ton of dialogue in this. It's very dense. It was a little daunting at first, but. I got the vibe and I like his writing style and it does explain and lay out and he's doing a good job at sort of an origin of this youngster, you know, Goonies kids team and I I liked it, I dug it. It it hit on nostalgia with the Dungeons and Dragons, the art style is unique and uh, it definitely has a a great storytelling vibe that it's going to take its time, it's going to, it paces itself really well. So check out Four Kids Walk Into the Bank. It's... I was lucky to have gotten one. My local comic uh, bookshop was out of it, and I had to kind of scour around to find one and had to pay a little bit of an inflated price for it, but uh, worth it. Definitely worth it. Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, my number nine. And the number eight is Batman, number 51 from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. And this is it. This is goodbye to an era. Six years, I guess, they around there, they've done the Batman series together since the new 52 and I guess it's five plus years. Maybe they did it before that, even. But this is the ending of them on this, uh, on this as the team on Batman. And I tell you, it was a, an interesting kind of passing of the torch. That's what this really, really was. And I think it sets up the next phase of Batman to be something kind of cool, something rather, really, rather interesting. Uh, Alfred has his, ch- he had his hand chopped off, but he's got it back here. It's not really described, <laughs> but. Uh, Bruce just tries to put it off like he didn't really want to explain to him how he got his how Alfred got his hand back but Bruce has no scars he has no he doesn't seem to have that heavy dark baggage it seems like they want to lighten the character up uh, moving forward and the sort of opposite direction of the movies where they want to they want to age him and darken him and and this road weary sort of Batman and Bruce Wayne they don't want to do that here in the comics they want to make him fresh clean unscarred and that's just kind of an interesting take. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic here. I'm hopeful. I'll, I'll see where it goes with the rebirth of DC Comics. And they show some cool Batman tech of a cloning or a camouflaging of the Batmobile, which is cool to show it looking like other cars. I always love when they just highlight tech. So if you want a Batman issue where some tech is highlighted, some bat tech, you're going to get some of that here. And a new Batmobile. Got to look at that. Or at least a newly designed, tweaked sort of Batmobile and it's gorgeous and the art and the coloring the tone of it is just fantastic there's like a like a, a, a loud bang that shakes the city and I really dig that whether it was of natural occurrence or whatever Batman has to go and check everyone he checks the penguin he checks the court of owls he checks and and everything seems to be okay but he's he could go home and have like a night off and he doesn't he still watches over the town and he checks on Arkham Asylum and it's just like you can it definitely feels like that the passing of the baton but I like it I really dug the vibe of that and it's definitely like a like a farewell like a like a sigh of oh okay they're 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 leaving it's it may be a little sad but but also very well captivating issue that keeps your attention the way uh, Capullo draws the new bat suit with the white or the yellow outlining around the symbol and the yellow outlining of the black belt and the sort of underneath the cape is like purple but uh, he does a fantastic job of art here and we visit the young and clean and unscarred joker as well which is just kind of so it is a little of the walking down memory lane and in the passing of the torch but entertaining from from cover to cover and i highly recommend it batman 51 that's why it's my number eight and number seven 
is Venom Space Knight, issue number six. This feels like the end, or at least the end of an arc. And I gotta tell you, the art on here, writer, uh, by the way, Robbie Thompson, artist Ariel Olivetti, gorgeous, gorgeous, very hyper-realistic, very kind of Alex Ross style, but not, but unique. It's a very muscular tone approach to a lot of his characters, and it's very realistic looking. The inking and the coloring as well, very super realistic, and I love that. It's just uh, not heavily colored. It's not a cartoony look to it. But this is uh, Venom where the bad guy they were fighting that was chasing Venom uh, around in his ragtag small group of that weird pig panda alien that they're trying to save her kid. I think it's if it's a boy or a girl. And his murdered, his death bot, his suicidal death bot, 803, that follows him around, that at every moment wants to be deactivated and destroyed, is hilarious to watch. And this is where the bad guy, which I already forgot his name, has taken over the Venom suit. And you think, oh, this is bad. This guy is uh, sort of looking in the mirror and saying how he, Venom hasn't really been able to be himself, and he's going to unleash Venom. He will let Venom be Venom. And there's a part of me that's like, yes, I want a little bit of that old school Venom back. You know, the tongue-swashing style. Because, you know, they've got him as a little bit more of just a, you know, a space knight, as it says. But they're going through sort of a separation thing now where Flash Thompson is separating from Venom and trying to have a conversation with Venom by himself because he's apparently been purged from his planet or his evil tendencies have been purged. And he's, again, unscarred, clean, <laughs> fresh. <laughs> Seems to be the theme. Uh, Venom, new and improved. And so this is uh, Flash trying to come up with more of a plan. He explains that in the beginning. I love the writing here how he says he's trying to just be a little less run and gun, a little bit more plan, think things out, a little more methodical. And he pulls that off here. He comes up with a, uh, <laughs> a kind of a, a, a plan to double cross, triple cross, and get the Venom suit back, which I don't want to tell you how that happens, so it's kind of cool. I don't want to spoil it, but... Uh, they, there is definitely a battle between the main bad guy, his little army, his ragtag group of mercenaries. Venom has to step in, and when um, when Venom is stepping in here, he's definitely unleashed Venom a little bit, and I like that. That's a, a definite highlight of this entire issue, is that old Venom's kind of coming back, a little under control, uh, not under control Venom. He's making his appearance here, and that's what this the core part of this comic is. I don't want to waste it, uh, spoil any more for you. I really want you to check this comic out. But if you if you love the old style Venom a bit, and you are open to sort of a new arc, I mean, it's a little Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a little bit of a team going across the galaxy, kind of doing good deeds. And uh, what Flash does at the end, after he, they have this battle with these mercs and these 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 robots that were that we're under the control of our bad guy here. Very cool, and it's a happy ending, and it's I really enjoyed it, and it was just a ton of fun, and this is kind of a, I could reread this, because it looks so gorgeous, and it just had this cool vibe, and it's not really dialogue heavy, so you can breeze through it kind of quick, but still have fun with it. Definitely check out Venom Space Knight. It's a cool ending. I'm going to definitely keep it going, see where it goes, but uh, the last page, too. you got to check it out, Venom. You'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, uh, coming in at number six is Daredevil, issue number six, written by Charles Soule, art by, which I know, he, I hope he's sort of the, he is the, I don't think he's a one-shot artist, but Matteo Buffagni, fantastic art, and color by Matt Mila. I have to mention the coloring because it's, it's black, white, and red all over this thing, and it's gorgeous. And it's Elektra. She just pops onto the scene, and I love that, of course, I know probably... Everyone has already seen Daredevil Season 2. I haven't. I just, I mean, I just finished it day before yesterday. So this is, this hits perfectly. Timed, I know it's a little on the nose because <laughs> they're like, hey, let's put Elektra in just like the Netflix TV show. But I loved it. I mean, he, he still has this sidekick blind spot, which I dig. And she just comes on with a, for a very just ferocious attitude, just really trying to kill him, to kill Daredevil. So they're on the rooftops, they're fighting, the shadowing is gorgeous, Daredevil's mostly black and white suit with just DD and red, looks Frank Miller-esque, it's, it's gorgeous, but Frank Miller in a good way. <laughs> and, uh, and Elektra, just them going to battle, the way his radar sense kicks in with the pinks and greens and everything, just gorgeous. And even the court scene, even the little minute they have a, a little court scene and... He's he sees that Electra's there, and from a distance is very cool. He knows her scent. You know, he knows her heartbeat. This very sort of cool daredevilly moment, and 
she doesn't know that he's Matt Murdock from, I don't know why, again, continuity weird thing. I got past it quickly. And she's alive, which, uh, you know, anyway, <laughs> you have to let that go because it's gorgeous. It's just them fighting on rooftops and he's playing it easy and he's really kind of getting messed up here and he's trying to mostly defensively fight her until he just sort of gets fed up and then he's and then he comes back in a vicious way as well but the majority of this is him trying to backpedal him trying to get her to talk and she really won't say anything until the big payoff in the end and I don't want to waste it I don't want to spoil it and uh, but you have to have to check this issue out very little dialogue if you just want to see Elektra and Daredevil on rooftops fighting the size the batons the everything just in, in this beautiful dance that they know how to do with Daredevil and Elektra. He, they, they do it well. This entire team pulls it together really, really well. It just stands alone as, well, you want to see Daredevil and Elektra? Check out this issue. So that's uh, definitely why it was mine. Number six. Daredevil number six. Thank you, Charles Soule. Doing a fantastic job. My uh, number five is Four Eyes. Number five is Four Eyes. Hearts of Fire, number four. And this is uh, written by Joe Kelly, illustrator Max Fiumara. And he has this black and white style with very, very minimal color, very sort of charcoal-y, pencil-like style. It's gorgeous. You have to, it's, in a way, it's a complicated style of art to where you really have to, like, stop and where is the dragon's eyes, where are its hands. At some points, it can just look like a mess, a ball of flesh that's flying through the air in in a knotted ball. But when you really pay attention and look at it, it really scopes out the physicality of a dragon and there's a lot of musculature and shadowing done and it's just gorgeous I can't talk enough about the art but this is the story of four eyes the sort of runt dragon that's basically blind and this Italian kid set in the age of the depression and his father passed away he has this horrible sort of stepfather slash benefactor that's abusing him physically beating him at home and he's just trying to put food on the table and it's done in this world by this by fighting by having like cockfights with dragons <laughs> and these uh, dragon fights in these gladiator like arena elimination arenas and he's trying to get this sad looking runt of a dragon to fight and the, in the last couple issues he really took a dark turn this character uh, props to the writing they made this character kind of a, in a twist they made him abusive to this dragon because of he was being abused by this stepdad slash benefactor at his home. And he was taking it out on, on four eyes. And it was just, uh, it made you not like this character in, in a real emotional way. And I thought, wow, you just thought it would be this loving, happy story at first of this kid and his dragon. But no, there's some, there's some heavy story here, like I said, of abuse and, and the Great Depression and people starving and... And there's definitely some some weight to the dramatic element of what's happening in this comic. And so he's, they, they just throw him into the arena with this other gigantic dragon, and they just wanted to see this gigantic dragon kill Four Eyes. They're just tired of having this kid around. It seemed like they're just fed up with him. They don't know why he's there. He had this, this guy that's helping him train. Even he seems somewhat fed up with him because the kid's smart-mouthed and like... And, and basically smacking the hand that feeds them when this guy was trying to help train him. So he's even like had friends and he's losing them. So it's it's definitely a bit on the dark side, but there's some hope here. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. This is really the exploration of him fighting back, fighting back with his dragon. And he changes things up here with the dragon. He, the dragon's in, in, in peril. The small four eyes is in, in getting, looks like he's going to be killed immediately and eaten by this large dragon. And the young boy jumps into the ring. He sacrifices himself. He jumps in there to really show that he cares for this dragon. And then their bond is sort of reunited. And that's what the core part of this comic is. Is this bond that he has in this How to Train Your Dragon like, I guess, kind of dramatic uh, twist. And we're introduced to a character here, which I imagine is in the next chapter, the next arc. And uh, kind of interesting. And yeah, he's, he's fighting back. And the dragon does a lot better than uh, you would think. There's still some issues, and it uh, isn't necessarily totally victorious, but the dragon makes it. He, he makes some cash, and when he goes home to this man that's abusing him, and you'd think, okay, he brought a wad full of money home, that this uh, the man would be appreciative. No. They go right into this abuse moment, and I don't want to tell you exactly how it ends, but uh, I am so ready for the next chapter of this. It It's definitely a turn from where 
the, the character before was taking sort of a was was heading down a dark path, and he uh, he turns that and brings some hope back into the scenario and reestablishes that bond with Four Eyes. And when and Four Eyes honestly was a better fighter with his boy being on his side and not abusing him. So that's the that's the theme. That's the story uh, to this. So check it out, Four Eyes, Hearts of Fire. This the first four issues of this are definitely gonna be a well put together collection, which I know they're doing. So to come in at number four is Saga, number 36. And Saga has been uh, just consistent. It's been fantastic. It is so heavy sci-fi. So much sci-fi love in this. <laughs> if you love sci-fi, you're going to love this. But Saga 36, art by Fiona Staples and written by Brian K. Vaughn, who I just explained earlier in the podcast, did that Walking Dead alien. And this... The core part of this story is the reuniting of the characters to their daughter. So you have to see that. I don't want to give you every detail, but it's definitely very emotional. You feel it. They've been gone from each other for so long. And the, the dad is worried that uh, his daughter won't remember him. And it's a sad moment there. And uh, and you're brought back to the Will, the bodyguard called the Will. And he there's no sign of Lion Cat. So I, I can't remember if Lion Cat died or not, but that was a cool sort of Chewbacca sidekick that he had that could just tell you when anyone was lying and the cat spoke English but that's all it said was you're lying if you were lying <laughs> but there's this adorable walrus creature and this small little baby seal anthropomorphic character that are attacking the will because the will is trying to kill the robot baby you know the robot family he, he comes uh, he's on the trail and he comes across that that uh, the royalty that with the the uh, alien species that has televisions on their head <laughs> And uh, he's about to kill that young kid and the baby seal and walrus animal come to the rescue and have a pretty nasty little fight there. And they cut his fingers off. So you're like, okay, how is this going to affect things? It's a pretty brutal little fight. And they leave you with that. And you're like, oh, I want more. That's that's one thing that he does uh, from time to time is just cut on certain story arcs and let you wait. And you're like, no, I want to know what's happening with that arc now. And it kind of just goes away. And so you gotta tune in next issue, folks. Next, same bad channel, same bad time, zitter. <laughs> but um, the will is uh, is definitely going through this crazy kind of emotional breakdown. He's seeing ghosts in front of him constantly. He's seeing visions. He's definitely having a a break, a psychotic break of some kind. So the will is going through some stuff. But then you got you got the grandma saying goodbye to to her granddaughter and the dad reunited with the daughter and it's just this reunite reunited but no it's this great moment of the reuniting of the family and and the mom but uh, every just like in such saga fashion nothing really goes absolutely well for very long <laughs> so check out saga it's just consistently good there's all there's always the uh, at the very very end the cliffhanger I don't want to blow it but you gotta You'll be like, ah, at the very end, the very last page. So, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Saga, number 36, my number four. So, here we go. Top three. And the top three were so good, I tell you, they could just equally be number one. I tell you, of 19 comics, they were all, like, quick and easy reads this week. It was easy to pick my top ten. It just was a, a breeze. Sometimes I I go over and read again and deliberate, like, for a, way too long to get my my favorite picks of the week but this just fell together beautifully so top three number three is dr strange number seven and uh this is fantastic gorgeous art from chris bachalo bachalo written by jason aaron can't go wrong with jason aaron and uh you know southern bastards for example and this is kind of a cool origin story of this villain and the villain has a very sort of Superman kind of Krypton blowing up slash Batman mix, but they, they twist it in its own style. He's on this very crazy monochromatic planet <laughs> and with these crazy looking eye robots with round heads that are very reminiscent of the uh, story, the book, the movie, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Very much look like that robot, that big round head. And... They show this these two parents trying to get this escape pod ready for this young child that on their planet science is uh, is the you can only use science you can't use any magic whatsoever they're hell bent on sort of 
No, you can't use. Uh, sorry, it's the other way around. You can't use science. They're hell bent on everyone living in this full of magic society, and these parents decide to not use magic, and they're destroyed for that. And so that's sort of the birth of this character. So he hates all magic because of that. It sort of makes sense. It makes you kind of feel for him in a little way. Like it makes sense. They, you know, maybe he he feels like he's liberating planets of magic because magic is doing all this bad, devastating things to people and murdering and killing and. And even when he says to when and flash that's the flashback of, of this of this evil person's origin he uh, went later when they they're face to face to each other the adult version in Doctor Strange which Doctor Strange is like tied to a tree with his magic or these sciency tendrils um, that he says uh, are you gonna tell me that when I destroy your mansion Doctor Strange that I won't uncover the bones of the dead in there and, and even Doctor Strange says hey I'm I don't, I'm not a saint. I don't claim to be a saint. But it even makes you sort of feel for the bad guy in a way. Like, man, you know, does magic really do any good? <laughs> so maybe he's got a point? So it's a battle. And this, uh, so this bad guy is going around killing all the Sorcerer Supremes and killing anyone that's, that's powerful in magic and killing magic. He's just trying to wipe out all of anything related to magic. And this guy that shows up, uh... <laughs> His name is uh, Monaco. He is like a like this little cowboy kind of guy. He's like small. Doctor Strange feels that he's not very strong in magic, and he's just like, "Get out of here! They're gonna kill you! What are you doing?" And he sort of saves the day. He uses his last little bit of power to to take uh, to teleport the the last uh, the, the 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 magicians that are all tied to trees to this safe place. And he's left behind though. And Doctor Strange knows that he's toast, and uh, they did a really good job of bringing forth the emotions there in a character that I didn't know, this Monaco, introduced in two seconds. But he seems to be very well liked. Everyone is like thinking he should just get out of there. He has no chance to fight against this bad guy, and you feel that little bit of peril for him. Like this guy's not gonna make it, but you kind of like him quickly. I gotta give props to the writing there, because of the, just the way he's drawn. Is this you know kind of short, short guy that's kind of cowboy-esque? He's got an eye patch, and he. He's got an attitude, he kind of swears, and and uh, I just love that they make you care about him so quickly, and yet he's, uh, you know, he's not going to make it. He's <laughs> He ex expends all his magic power to save the four or five magicians strapped to trees. So, very cool, and I don't want to tell you what happens in the end, but I just thought, man, this art together just delivers exactly what you want in a Doctor Strange comic book. So... You cannot pass up Chris Pachalo's art and written by Jason Aaron. I mean, that's that's a plus team right there, folks. Go out and buy this immediately. So that's why it's my number three. And coming in at number two from Image Comics, Low, written by Rick Remender, art by Greg Ticini. And this really propels the story. This this was a little bit of a... I was blindsided by this. I was a bit surprised at where the writing in this went. And... Uh, this has the two sisters that have been separated for 10 years. Their family was uh, this team of scientists. They've been on this crazy journey to try to get to the surface. They live underwater. They have for millions of years because Earth is just jacked in radiation on the surface. But uh, they're, the people are all dying left and right underwater. It's, uh, they just can't live that way anymore. They have to kind of go to the surface. And this team is the one trying to find this, this homing beacon, this, this message of something that was left on the surface. But they're so deep in the ocean, and they're so far from it, and there's so much alien technology and underwater gigantic seafaring creatures that it's just it's this amazing long journey just to get to the surface. And these, so the two sisters are reunited, and the ex-wife of their brother that was killed, or the uh, the the widow of his of their brother that was killed in in this journey that they've. They've gone, been going through for what seems like years now, <laughs> or at least for 13 comics. <laughs> and this uh, this widower is is quickly trying to divide, to just just to draw a line between the two sisters to divide them for some reason. She's playing both sides, but she's being very honest about what what's going on here. The one sister put on their helm suit and killed an entire populace of people because she was angry because they. You know, they killed her brother, and she just murdered children, women, this entire sort of village. And so there is, she's questioning her stability, her mental stability. And then she plays the other sister and is like, you know, uh, the other, your sister was gone for 10 years, and she was in this society where 
like art and hope was illegal. And she was like, she killed her girlfriend at the time because her girlfriend was an artist and art is not allowed in this society. So both of them have some red in their ledger, if you know what I mean. And the, and the widower uh, of, of their brother is really just putting a dividing rod right in, in the middle of them. And you wonder where it's going. Well, you see where it's going and why. So uh, I tell you, it was a surprise to see what happens here. And, and they also see, they run into the village that she destroys of just the bodies that are left behind in, in their wake of wearing that mech suit. And if I remember too, the mom is at the surface. The mom is there. She made it. And that was that previous episode with that rat colony, the rat people that were having this sort of war with the wasp people. It was crazy. And I want to get that. I want to get back to that like immediately. But this is not that. This is a, this is the this is the dialogue and the relationship between the two sisters that haven't seen each other for ten years. Are they going to be able to put it back together? Is this widower going to separate the two of them and cause chaos? Are they going to make it to the surface to find their mom? It's like they're all that's left of their family, and it's not going real well here as to what happened. So it's a big surprise. I don't want to spoil, but. Man, well done, Low. I, I just have enjoyed this. All 13 issues, they seem to have gone by really fast. I want to reread this together all, all lined up. And I bet you it has a much even more interesting and fast pace and tone. And the art uh, by Greg Ticini is just, is just top-notch. It's gorgeous. And Rick Remender really nailing it. And I love at the very beginning, the front page, it is literally the entire first page of just a recap because there are times where this story gets a little convoluted and you're wondering what's happening and who am I looking at again and sometimes the sisters sort of look alike but I, I, I normally sigh when I see a full page at the beginning of nothing but dialogue uh, explaining the past an entire page but I but trust me read it it'll get you up to speed it'll remind you of certain things and really put everything into place uh, for the, for this next this next chapter so fantastic number two of the week here was low number 13 and my number one pick of the week which surprised even me uh, was from dark horse comics issue number one aliens defiance and this reading this comic like inspired me immediately to go watch aliens part two aliens and that's probably one of my favorites but i love part one and i love i, I liked part three but part two, yeah, I guess is my favorite. And this even inspired me to watch that movie. It has that sort of tone, that, that military sort of... Uh, you're surrounded by a military uh, team that is out there trying to find and uh, help people and rescue empty ships and, and investigate uh, alien messages and technology and strangeness, strangeness out there in space. It's these, and they've got a team of synthetics. So you're introduced to a new character here. Uh, which her name is Private First Class Zulu Hendricks, and she is uh, uh, complaining of like a back surgery that she had, and she's in a dropship, and she's with like militarized synthetics. Which again, I always think about that milky substance that they bleed, like the white blood, the milk blood of these synthetics. And there's always something you don't trust about them. There's always something that's a little off with them. This goes into that more which is what I really dug about it is that you get to see a little bit more and a little bit in a sort of different light these synthetics that help us that are supposed to listen to us but she is coming back to the station where she is still hurting from surgery and she runs into Amanda Ripley and Amanda Ripley if uh, I remember correctly this is the daughter of Ellen Ripley the main character from Aliens and she dies in like her she dies uh, when she's in her 60s from cancer and she's in that uh, alien isolation game, if I remember. I couldn't finish that, though. It was very long, and it had, like, this ominous, scary tone to it that didn't really have a lot of big payoffs. But uh, I do remember the look of it being very good, and the tone and the frightening element of it. It just seemed to never have any break of that. <laughs> and you have to, I think, have a nice ebb and flow. But anyway, that's alien isolation. But this ties a little into that as well, because you get to see Amanda Ripley. She's, like, maybe in her 20s or something, or early 30s. So is she going to tie into the story more? I thought, interesting. I want to kind of see more of her. But we have our character again, uh, Zulu, who is having some physical therapy done. And they just, they're just laying this out where you're really getting a good grasp of this character. And I, go, I thought, okay, all right, I'm in. I'm in. And then she's sort of given her orders. She's given her orders to check out a ship. And she takes all these synthetics with her. And they... They... 
quickly run into some problems. So she's on this this ship that they're investigating with a ton of synthetics. I think they're all synthetics. I hear that I'm looking at it again. She's the only human among them. And it goes down rather quickly. They run into aliens and the gorgeous art here I have to mention again, who was the art winner of the week, Tristan Jones. Oh, fantastic. I, I've, I've said it before that I think it's really hard to make the aliens uh, in this franchise look realistic. I don't know, look interesting in comics. I've been really kind of burned with old alien comics. I do remember the original Aliens vs. Predator comic was really entertaining and fun. I can't, I can't say since then that I've really had a series that I've really dug into with the Aliens franchise. Well, I am liking this. By the way, I even almost forgot. You have Brian Wood on writing. So, yeah, there you go. He's uh, top-notch, I tell you, Brian Wood. Check out his stuff. Anything he does right now is, is fantastic. But uh, anyway, so they run into some problems. The Aliens are there, and... Before she really even gets into a big fight with them, the synthetics are jumping in. The synthetics are getting torn to shreds. The aliens and their very traditional look here are just doing their aliens thing, and it's frightening. The tone, the the, the look, the sort of darkness of this, the, the very complicated sort of pictures. Sometimes you have to really look and see what's what because the, the way that they respect light here and the red flashing light and how even red, like, lightly hits half of the teeth, like you know where the light source is coming from. I have to tell you, the coloring is just out of this world. And I'm pretty sure that, no, Dan Jackson, got to give him props for the coloring. But very hyper-realistic, all in respect of light, it all seems very light-realistic. And its art style is just gritty and grim and dark but it really sets a fantastic alien tone here it's really like you're listening and we're watching the movie i would love this to be like a movie now this would stand up on its own because there is a synthetic leader here that you don't know if you can trust him when she's uh, dropped into this fight she's not really i guess a fighter i don't think she's a soldier but maybe not seen a lot of heavy time and she she has that back surgery she trips and falls and then she wakes up in a cryo suit she's been asleep for for 26 days and the synthetic that's there, there's a small team of them left, and they're explaining that uh, they thought it was the right thing to do, and they're even defying orders. That's where the defiance comes from. That the aliens, or that the synthetics are defying orders, so their AI has made them, given them the ability to sort of make decisions, so they're going against the orders, and even the human is like, why? We're really going to do this? And they announce that, you know, there are a ton more ships to be found, so... It doesn't really spoil everything, but man, this was fantastic work. This had a very cinematic feel to it. The art is gorgeous. It's very sci-fi feel to it. There's more depth on Zulu character, so you really the Zulu character, so you really you feel invested to her. And she's like the one human with all these synthetics that you don't know completely if you can trust that are defying their their programming and their their mission. So very interesting. I'm. It's added to the poll. It's solidly my number one pick of the week it was i just needed it and it it like i said inspired me to go put on some <laughs> some a blu-ray of of an aliens movie and i hope it does the same for you so it's very very good fantastic work those are my picks that's all of them for new comic book day those are my favorites for new comic book day april 27th please go to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately you will not be disappointed and to see everything that I've picked in the past, all my favorite picks, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on Top Comic Books of the Week. You'll see that. You can see my pull list, which is humongous. I think 100 and something plus comics that I'm pulling. And you can see that. I update it constantly, and I update my pull list every week. So check out sunspotscomics.com from time to time. And if you have a question, a concern, a recommendation, whatever it may be, just feel free to email me, chris at sunspotscomics.com. If you email me with something and I read your email on a show, I will mail you for free a little comic book-related prize. So uh, send in your stuff, chris at sunspotscomics.com. And uh, don't forget, May the 4th, a few days away, get your entry in if you want a chance to win the free comic book mystery box worth over 75 bucks. Just follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics and go to iTunes and give us a little five star with some positiveness. Throw it on at me. And please tune in next week. Next week is uh, for New Comic Book Day, May 4th. 
and it's 11 comics, so a little smaller. There's two new number ones that I'm going to check out, see if they're any good, and I'll grab them. And if they make the favorites, I'll fill you in on that and tell you all about it. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you seriously enjoyed issue number 52 of the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be in your earlobes next week. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. One female zombie wouldn't behave. She says she want me for her slave. In the one hand, she's holding a quart of wine. In the other, she's appointing that she'll be mine. Well, believe me, friend, just I had to run. Husband of a zombie ain't no fun. Yeah. I says, oh, no, my turtle dove and no back of bones. I cannot love. Oh, what you singing now? Back to back. Billy to Billy, but I don't give a damn till the dun matter it is. Back to back. Billy to Billy and the zombie jamboree. Red linen, then she raised her feet. I'm a going to catch you now, my sweetie. Better make you call me sweetie bye. I say, oh no, get back, you lie. Well, let me be a lion with you, LC. After you kiss this dead zombie. Yeah. Well, I never see such a horror in me life. Can you imagine me with a zombie wife? Yes, back to back. Billy to belly, well, I don't give a damn, cause I done that already. Back to back. Billy to belly and the zombie jamboree. Back to back. Billy to Billy, well I don't give a damn, cause I don't matter it is. Back to back, Billy to Billy and the zombie jamboree.